Welcome to BioCentury This Week, special report. I'm Jeff Cranmer, executive editor of BioCentury. Today, how to protect your innovative drugs under China's new patent law. I'm joined by special guest, Tony Chen. He's a partner at Jones Day in Shanghai. He is also an advisory member of the US-China IP Cooperation Dialogue that was organized by the US Chamber of Commerce in Renmin University of China. He is chairman of Bay Helix, which is a network of senior executives in the cross-border life sciences industry involving China. Bay Helix is BioCentury's strategic partner for our annual China Healthcare Summit in Shanghai. It will be taking place again this year in November, and Tony will chair a session on the latest developments related to IP for life science innovators in China. He also taught me everything I know about patent law. Also joining us is Josh Berlin, Executive Director of BioCentury's BD. He is on the organizing committee, along with Tony, of our China Healthcare Summit. So let's get to it. 1984's Hatch-Waxman Act is widely recognized as the law that has propelled the emergence of and growth of the modern biopharma industry in the U.S. and elsewhere in the world. Two key elements of the law are patent linkage, which allows originators of new small molecules and biologics to seek judicial or administrative intervention before marketing approval of generic drugs or biosimilars. The other patent term extension allows innovators to restore up to five years of patent life lost due to delay caused by the marketing approval and patent examination process. For the past decade, China has been working to create a system that incentivizes innovation while still making medicines affordable for the Chinese population. Listen up, innovators. Next week, there's an important deadline to meet. If you have an approved drug in China, you have until August 3rd to list your patents. Let's take a step back, as this has been going on for almost a decade now. Tony, how did we get here? When did the push toward firming up China's patent laws begin? And what have been the crucial steps along the way? Hi, Jeff. Great to be on your show. I'm a big fan. First, actually, I want to make one small clarification. When you talk about U.S. Hatch-Waxman Act, it covers the small molecule drugs, biologics in the U.S. The IP protection is covered by a different law. Now, you are correct that China's equivalent of Hatch-Waxman Act covers both small molecule and biologics. And in terms of becoming reality and actually becoming reality earlier this month, on the 4th of July, and giving innovators with approved drug in China, small molecule and biologics, 30 days to list the Chinese patents they have obtained, thus the August 3rd deadline Jeff mentioned to you. This system came about over a long period of time 
that if we go back 20 years ago, it will be more about innovative companies from outside of China pushing to have a, a US-style Hatch-Waxman Act. Now you can understand that face resistance from a domestic generic drug company. Therefore, when China amended it, its patent law in 2008, patent linkage and PTE were not adopted. But in the last decade, especially around 2015, that the time frame, when then commissioner of Chinese FDA, Commissioner B, Bi Jinquan, led this big push of reforming China's regulatory system to encourage innovation. And he certainly made a huge stride in streamlining the clinical trial and the drug approval process. Along that way, domestic innovative become booming. And in addition to regulatory reform, this domestic innovative sector also ask for better pharmaceutical IP protection. And this also featured in the US-China phase one trade agreement, which both governments signed in January of 2020. All these efforts put together led to China's People's Congress amending the patent law in October of 2020, including both patent linkage and patent term extension. The law became effective on June 1st, 2021, and then China's Patent Office and China's FDA announced the implementing measure, 4th of July. So that's a quick history mm -hmm. how this came about. Tony, did the long-awaited changes provide innovators with much respite from generic challengers? Did it give innovators everything they were hoping for? Well, I wouldn't say everything, but it does provide a mechanism for innovator to use China's IP legal system to enforce their Chinese pharmaceutical patent. Mm -hmm. So the way it works is before patent linkage in recent years, innovators complained that Chinese FDA sometimes will approve uh, generic and biosimilar before the innovators' Chinese patents have expired. And there was no mechanism for innovator to take legal action and stop the launch of this generic or biosimilar before patent expiration. They have to wait, for the most part, for the competing product to come on the market and then file lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, you know, the launch of uh, this competing product will cause irreparable damages. Now, with this new system, once innovator have successfully list their Chinese pharmaceutical patent in the system, the system will force generic drug company or biosimilar when they apply for approval by the Chinese FDA, they need to make specific patent declaration vis-a-vis -vis each and every Chinese patent the innovator has listed. And then if they decide in their patent declaration to challenge telling the world that they want to launch their competing product before patent expiration, in that case, 
the innovator can immediately or within 45 days of seeing this patent declaration on this platform, people in the business may call it electronic orange book. The innovator has 45 days to launch a lawsuit. Why the competing product is still undergoing Chinese FDA review and ask either the Beijing IP court or a special panel newly put together at the Chinese patent office to adjudicate whether the competing product falls under the protection of the innovator's Chinese patent. If the decision is in favor of the innovator, then that decision would put a hold on the Chinese FDA's approval for the competing product until the innovator's Chinese patent has expired. Tony, this is Josh Berlin. One follow-up question. The August 3 deadline, which is right around the corner, I don't think it's really been as discussed, at least in U.S. and in European biotech circles. BioCentury obviously talks to a lot of folks in the industry, and this is not, at least in my discussions, been top of mind. So I guess if you're just learning about this now or just trying to catch up to speed, very short deadline, what do companies need to do, or is there still time to do something before August 3rd to be helpful for themselves in China? Yes. Well, the company need to do is they need to take the list of their drugs that have been approved in China. So each approved drug, you have this designated approval number. And you take that approval number, and then you look at the Chinese patents you already receive and the ones that have not expired, then your IP lawyer, your in-house, and your external counsel working together to match the Chinese patent and the claims with your product. And when you find a match, then you can use the electronic platform. China's CDE has already set up and already operating, and then submit the list. In a short several weeks, we already see hundreds of registered drugs listed on this platform. What can you tell us about the patent cliff now in China in the wake of this law? Yes, that's a very pertinent issue innovators face in their commercial activity in China. This is a phenomenon, relatively recent phenomenon, emerging in China since 2017. Prior to 2017, when innovators' patent expire in China, often their drug price can still stay stable for an extended period of time. Since 2017, with two mechanisms, one being the Chinese government medical insurance inclusion negotiation, and then second, when generic drug come to the market, the Chinese government organized a bidding called the volume-based procurement, pitting the innovator and the several generic competitors to compete for government's hospital market by lowering price. So this medical insurance inclusion, and then the VBP since 2017-2018 timeframe basically created two patent cliff. The VBP patent cliff is especially steep 
sometimes lead to over 90% erosion of the drug price. Okay, so if you do not have Chinese patent or even when you have patents, but not a effective enforcement strategy, then you may face VBP cliff early on, which could be devastating to your commercial enterprise in China. Yeah, Tony, I got one follow-up question. So this is obviously brand new. It's brand new to the industry, brand new to you as well, who has been following this and influencing it for the last decade. With this new August 3rd deadline coming up, I think there's now at least one challenge to a Western patent that's recently come up. So what are you looking for over the next several months? What are you going to be watching to see how indicators of how this is going and whether it's going to be a favorable environment for both Western innovators as well as China Biotech? Yes. Well, we will be watching, first of all, how aggressively generic drug company will file type four challenge against innovators listed patent. And then once this challenge filed, then we want to watch how innovators use the patent linkage system. Because this system has characteristics. Some are similar to the US and some are very different from the US system. For example, the US, you just go to federal court. But in China, the innovator has the choice of choosing a new panel at the patent office or the Beijing IP court to litigate. And then we want to observe how innovators choose and then how they fare before the patent office panel and before the Beijing IP court. Because now there are many Chinese innovative biotech, they have a new product and they are listed in New York, in Hong Kong, in Shanghai. And once their drugs are subject to this type of litigation, the market will be interested in observing how this kind of a litigation would impact on these Chinese innovators' business and stock price. Sounds complicated. I'm sure it's going to be a, a packed room when you run your panel on IP at the China Summit this fall. Josh, tell us a little bit about the China Summit for those of our listeners who are interested in potentially signing up. Is it going to be in person, digital? When is it? How do I sign up? Yeah, no, great question, Jeff. So this will be our eighth BioCentury Bay Helix China Healthcare Summit, and the dates are November 16th to 19th. Given uncertainty about travel, we will have a hybrid event this year. So that means that there will be a venue in Shanghai. And if those that can attend in person are certainly welcome to do so, and we encourage that. If you cannot travel to China, though, you'll have full access via the digital platform. That'll include strategic panels like Tony's IP plenary session. It'll include biotech roadshow presentations, both from China Biotechs as well as Western Biotechs. It'll also include one-to-one -one meetings. So you can either schedule one-to-one -one meetings in person or via our digital platform. BioCentury and Bay Helix organize this event each year with McKinsey and company. So McKinsey will be coming back with their famous China Summit report, which will have a lot of data on biotech ecosystem, and I'm sure we'll also discuss some of these IP changes that Tony's been mentioning. You can register. Registration is open. If you go to biocenturychinasummit.com, there is an early bird discount if you register before September 16th. We hope you do so, and we very much hope to see you either in person or digitally, and very much recommend 
checking out Tony's IP session in particular. That'll be a real hot item. Well, I want to say that this patent linkage system in China is shaping up to be like a three-dimensional chess game. It will be very exciting, and we're going to have very sophisticated panel in person in Shanghai to discuss this new emerging system. And I hope to see you in person in Shanghai or interact with you online. Excellent. Well, that's all we have time for. Tony, thank you so much for coming on the pod and enlightening us and our listeners especially pointing out this important deadline coming up August 3rd. Josh, as always, great to have you. We will catch you on Monday for BioCentury This Week, our regular pod. All of our podcasts are available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and Google. Kendall Square Orchestra provides the music for our podcast. The group connects science and technology professionals and other members of the greater Boston community to collaborate, innovate, and inspire through music while supporting causes related to healthcare and education. <laughs>